0: Well, good morning. We are on Lesson 10 of our Biblical Manhood and Womanhood study. And so, a lot of what we've been doing so far has been to explain the what we understand to be the biblical uh, position with regard to masculinity, femininity... Manhood, womanhood, and uh, we've often used the term complementarian. That is, we we um, we understand that God has created male and female to be complementary um, in lots of dimensions, so that together we accomplish His purposes. Uh, and we've also highlighted. Some different views that um, male and female are not complementary, but rather are more uh, equal in all respects. Um, and so the term that's often used for that is egalitarian, uh, the presupposition that men and women are basically interchangeable, uh, certainly with respect to roles in, whether it be in marriage or in the church. And so we've looked at some of those arguments and we've evaluated them from scripture. Interchangeable.
1: interchangeable.
0: Mean that you could swap one for the other, it doesn't matter. That
1: means men can, why can't they work?
0: Yeah, so they, the, there's no, they would argue that there's no distinction between male and female roles, male and female, um, God's design uh, for them. And so that the, the term for that is, if you're thinking of them being completely equal, the term for that is egalitarian. It has to do with being equal. And now, of course, the complementary view does understand, and we, we've talked about this extensively, that male and female men and women are equal in many respects, right? Equally um, reflecting God's image. Uh, Equally coming to Christ by grace through faith. Uh, Equal in value and standing before God. Um, But nonetheless, God has created different roles for us that have nothing to do with superiority or inferiority, but everything to do with just God's design. And that's true both in the home and in uh, the church. And we looked at a number of passages about that. Well, um, in today's lesson, actually, if you can turn to the next page, they're not numbered. It's basically fifty-two and fifty-three, and you have to turn your notes. 90 degrees. There's a large table that spans both of those pages. And what this is doing, this is not my creation. This I've taken this from the. you see the footnote there. The key issues in the manhood, womanhood controversy and the way forward by Wayne Grudem. Uh, but I think he has some very helpful insights here. So the idea here with this is Um, given the uh, egalitarian versus complementarian contrast that we've talked about a fair amount, it's helpful to see uh, what happens, and sometimes we see this actually out there, um, if people deviate from the complementarian position, which is really in the middle of this chart. So if you... Go to the extreme where there's um, on the on the left there are just no differences at all between male and female versus the extreme right side of your uh, notes of the table where the emphasis is there's no equality whatsoever it's it's male dominance and it's it's just to the extreme right uh, whereas the complementarian position is, uh, yes, there is a lot of equality, but there are also a lot of differences in God's design. And, and that shows up in differences in roles. Uh, so that's sort of in between. It's not a compromise. It's it's the absence of extreme in either the uh, equality de- direction or the the, um, uh, well, basically, it's, it's equality. So the, either there's no differences at all, or it's complete 100% difference, no, no equality whatsoever. So those are the two extremes. And so what I want to do is look here. Each row is a different topic, and how these different positions um, are characterized in in these ways. Uh, so again, you've got our position, the biblical position, the complementarian position in the middle. And then as you go to the left side of the table, it's egalitarian, either some or 100%. And then as you move to the right side of the table, it's male dominance or outright male, um, um, male only, essentially, in terms of um, authorities and roles and so on. All right, well, let's take a look. You'll, you'll see it as we go through some of these. And so this the position one takes here um, has an impact on their understanding of God or their interpretation of um, what is known about God. And so as we start in the middle... As we understand God as Trinity, uh, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. One God, <clears throat> three persons. Um, and what's unique there and what's, what's uh, important in understanding all of these areas is that even within the Godhead, there is absolutely complete equality. Jesus, the Son, is completely God. Holy Spirit is completely God, no uh, inferiority at all within the Godhead. And yet, there is a distinction of roles within the Godhead. We we talked about that, right? Um, There's even hierarchy. It's submission of the Son to the Father, submission of the Holy Spirit to the Father and the Son being sent out. Um, And yet, they're completely equal and yet they have different roles. And so the fact that we as human beings, by God's design, have both equality and differences in roles, it's really patterned after his own being, God's own being. Well, we talked about that, but let's see what happens when you move to the, the left side here where, where uh, the emphasis is more on uh, equality. So if if that's your starting point, then the God of your making, essentially, can be Trinity, but there's absolute equality with no submission at all. It's it's, um, mutual submission, and I think um, a reason people might think that, in spite of what Scripture clearly says is that they would like that to be a guide for um, human relationships as well. And because they get that wrong, they get the guide for human relations wrong as well. Um, And I think we talked about that, that underlying the misconception that they have is the presumption that if there's Submission in a relationship that necessarily means superiority and inferiority. But we know that that's not true within the Godhead. We know that Jesus is not inferior to the Father. He submits willingly. Um, That's just the way God is, right? And likewise, as we'll see later, with Men and women, and marriage in particular, um, for a woman to submit, as Scripture teaches, to her husband, doesn't mean she's inferior any more than Jesus is inferior to the Father. Submission. But
1: Jesus, Jesus obeyed. Jesus, son obeyed the Father. Jesus
0: obeyed the Father. He um, submitted to Him. Not my will, but your be done. Yours be done. Um, that doesn't mean that he's inferior in his essence, that he's inferior in uh, even even um, his standing within the Godhead. I mean, he's equally God. All the attributes of God are true of Jesus and the Holy Spirit, even though they submit to the Father, and the Holy Spirit really submits even to the Son. Um, so the submission itself doesn't mean that it's superior and inferior, in quality or standing or whatever. Uh, it's just different roles, and um, so you can kind of see the um, the motivation here for for conceptualizing God. Uh, even if you believe that He exists as a triune God, uh, they. They want to think of that as mutual submission so that um, the implications of it for us are something closer to what they want rather than allowing scripture just to speak clearly, Um, identifying God as triune, and yet there is distinction and different roles even within the Godhead. Um. Yeah. So anyway, if if you that just if if that's your presumption, it's that's characteristic of the egalitarian position. If you continue going to the left-hand side of the chart to the extreme, where there's just absolutely no differences at all apart from obvious physical differences between men and women, they're just abs- they're just completely interchangeable. You can have one or the other, it doesn't really matter. Um, no recognition of fundamental masculine traits or fundamental ma- uh, feminine traits uh, by God's design. There's just uh, the presumption that in order to... Um, have equal value, you have to have no distinctions whatever between men and women just to the extreme. And so um, in that way of thinking often the extreme is it's not thinking about God in in a biblical sense whatsoever. It's maybe uh, thinking of God as um, well, like Romans 1 says, worshiping the creation rather than the creator, right? Um, and, or they may say, well, you know, Mother Earth, or the God is our, our mother rather than father. Um, so it's a complete um, ignoring of Scripture, what God has taught us about himself and about his creation. And um, he, when you go to that extreme and you say, well, that, this can't be true, this can't be true, that can't be true, let's just conceive of it as this, as just man's opinions, right? Rather than what God has revealed in scripture. Well, if you go the other direction, which uh, part of the way is just a male Dominance, if you go all the way, it's just no equality whatsoever. It's, it's uh, 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 completely male control. But in the concept of God, um, you're, if you have that point of view that it's, it's um, a male dominant kind of thing, um, you very quickly get into heresy, on the assumption that since Jesus submitted to the Father, Jesus must not be God. He must be something under God because he submitted. Well, that's one of the very early heresies in the Christian church, uh, the Arian heresy. Um, And likewise, the Holy Spirit can't be a a separate uh, person within the Godhead uh, it just doesn't make sense to me, as if I'm the one who's in charge. <laughs> um, so they would say that God must be um, only the Father, and Jesus was not God, and the Holy Spirit is not separate from God. And so it's, um, it's a misunderstanding of Scripture, even if they attempt to base their... Theology on scripture. It's starting with presuppositions that are not biblical. And so you come up with heresies, essentially. And if you take that to the extreme, yes, God is one, but that means only one person, uh, not a trinity. Um, and viewing him as harsh. A, a harsh judge. This is basically the, um, the Muslim view um, that, that um, God is, is one. It's, it's inconceivable that he could be three. They think of the doctrine of the Trinity as being uh, three gods, and that just doesn't make sense to them. And In fact, it's not true. Uh, he's one God, but eternally existing in three persons. Um, anyway, so take that to the extreme, and you basically get religions like Islam that, that um, start with presuppositions of very harsh lines between, uh, in this case, in the Godhead, um, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.
1: Quick question. Yeah. What is a Sophia worship? I've never heard of
0: that. Sophia is the Greek word for wisdom, and so uh, there are people uh, throughout time who have um, attributed this, you know, God is the source of wisdom. It's sort of a natural thing to think about, but they personify this wisdom, and it's, it's basically just a human philosophy rather than anything based on scripture. And so... Um, yeah.
1: Uh, That's a Greek approach, right?
0: Yeah, that would be a... Well, it's a Greek word, Sophia. Right. Yeah. So, look at the second row there. Um, so, if you've got this frame of mind in each of these categories... How do you view men and women? Well, as we said, in the middle, here in the complementarian position, um, the husband and wife are equal in value, but they have different roles. And in many ways, it's just patterned after God's design for... uh, Well, it, it is God's design for marriage, and it's patterned after God's own nature, that one God, three persons, whereas marriage is, fortunately, only... One marriage, two persons, or one flesh, rather than three persons. But um, that even in the midst of that that um, equality, equal sharing of God's image, equal responsibilities in many respects, uh, equal standing before God, equal in the way they come into a relationship with God, and yet they're different roles. Um but the egalitarian view is that there's really no difference in roles, um, and so everybody has to work out responsibilities in sort of in a pragmatic kind of way. There's no external God-given design, um, and then you take that to extreme um it basically gets rid of and, and suppresses any any god-given um, traits of masculinity and femininity because that would that would cause um, differences and distinctions and they want to ignore all differences and distinctions um, that's the it's for many people, that's the world's point of view. Yeah, yeah.
1: They feel they're being cheated out of something.
0: Yeah. But if you go to the right side here, where it's male dominance, uh, there's the either explicit or implicit assumption that men are better than women, and that leads to all sorts of problems, right? Uh, and then things like excessive competitiveness and trying to do whatever they can to make women inferior, which is not a biblical approach at all. And if you take that to the extreme, then um, men are just autocratic brutes, you know, tyrants. Uh, Women are, are objects and dehumanized. It's it's just um, uh, it's it's not the absence of distinction. It's the the um, uh, emphasizing distinctions uh, to the extreme. That's what it is on that. Road. So let's look at marriage particularly. <coughs> Um, In the complementarian position, the husband, by God's design, is to be the loving, humble head of the family, including his wife. And the wife is characterized by intelligent, joyful submission to the husband. Not that she doesn't have um, opinions or maybe even strengths that he doesn't have, Uh, there's much that they can accomplish together that neither of them can accomplish alone but in terms of God-given authority and design within and the order within uh, the marriage uh, God created the husband to be the head of the wife well the egalitarians as we've been seeing um, say well no there, there's no distinction in roles. I mean, they, they can have different roles if they work it out mutually in you know, a mutually agreeable way, but there's nothing that's based inherently on, on their gender that leads to differences in roles. Um, when you take that to the extreme again, not only are men and women interchangeable, but... Um, you know, men marrying men, women marrying women, or uh, even worse. So, um, again, just throwing away God's design for masculinity and femininity and the, and the beauty of each of them in their own um, um, roles and so on. But then when you bring them together, it's even more beautiful because they're balancing all these characteristics by... God's design but no that that's um, that's not uh, you know what is well I'm put it this way um, give you an example it's not all about it's not about men and women at all but just in terms of the way people think um the prevailing view out there in the world is that all of us, all of the world, everything just evolved over time, right? So evolution is taken not as a theory but as a fact by most of the people out there, right? You hear it in the schools and and everything. Um, What's the thinking behind that? The thinking behind it is... If this is not true, the only alternative is that we got here by design, by an intelligent creator. And if that's true, if he's creator and I'm his creation, then I'm accountable to him. And they, they can connect the dots there, and they don't like the way those dots connect. So they say... I'm going to believe this other alternative, is, it must be true, because I don't want that to be true. It must be true that we just got here by some chance. Well, what's the implications of that? Survival of the fittest. Right? And that's not just in how we got to where we are, but it ought to be, you know, um, why is there any morality at all? Where would we see the source of morality coming from? God, scripture, right? That's the source of morality. That That's the measure of what is good and what is wrong. How would they see morality? Well, it's whatever societies you know, democratically choose to be right versus wrong. And that can change over time. It, um, um, But they're implicitly saying either it's majority rules or survival of the fittest or, more cre- increasingly now, Anything goes. Right? Because they're denying any absolute morality coming from a creator God. Um, Well, when you get to this whole male-female distinctions and God's creation and created order, if you begin from the standpoint that there is no God, certainly... um, not one who's interested in us. We're we're to fend for ourselves, um, and uh, that leads you to presume that um, there's no inherent difference between men and women. Um, then. Um, what would motivate that? It's kind of like the question I had earlier. What would motivate the the leap of faith to believe that we all of this came into being by chance in evolution? What would be the mindset underlying the presumption that men and women are um, the same, interchangeable, no distinctions at all? What would motivate that? So it's a similar thing. It is about that authority, right? That if I just evolved, then there's no there's no absolute morality, and if morality, what is right and what is wrong, is up to society or maybe even more so me, you know, if it's right for you, go ahead, right? Then um, I'm okay. You're okay. I'm okay. You're okay. Um, and if that's the mindset, then you're not going to be all that comfortable with. God-given distinctions and roles, right? You're starting from that presumption. And so God-given distinctions and roles that are really even patterned after his own being, in many ways, um, is... that's just off the table, not under the discussion at all. It's all about me. What I want and what I think... um, and so that's kind of what's driving. That's funny. That. They had that problem. The beginning. Oh yeah, it's been around a long time, hasn't it? And that mindset shows up in lots of different ways. It's bound to. Um, but that's what you get. And and of course, you know, you can see throughout history. You can see it in the newspapers today. What what are, what's the consequences of those kinds of mindsets? It's self-defeating, but they don't—they don't see it. Mm-hmm. It's self-defeating. Mm-hmm. It's certainly not God glorifying, but it's not even accomplishing what they want. They think they're going to have the ideal life if they do away with any distinctions. It's—it's it's a utopia in their mind, right. but where does it lead? It leads to chaos.
1: Mm-hmm. So, sort of like um, a man being transgender running in a woman's race. Yes. Yeah. So, so. <laughs> Beauty path.
0: Who, who knows what's what's going on in the head there, but it's part of the same symptom, right? If it's what I want, it must be good for me. And usually there are ulterior motives and presumptions and so on that's driving this behavior, and there might be some variety of what people are thinking. But it um, kind of reminds me... Yeah, do you all know the story of um, uh, the emperor who had no clothes? Mm-hmm. you all know that kind of story where um, there was this emperor who was real proud of himself and full of himself, and he had to have the best of everything? And um, uh, one time a, a guy came along to, to advise him to wear this special clothing that's so special that only the wisest people can see it. And the king, of course, didn't want to be you know, confused with someone who wasn't wise enough to see it. So he said, "Oh well, I'm, um, I'm you know, sign me up." Um, well, anyway, um, he goes around and everybody heard what this was all about. And so nobody wanted to admit that they weren't wise enough to, to see the king's new clothes um, until this little boy came by and says, why is the emperor not wearing any clothes? <laughs> and then everybody laughed and it was he, he got embarrassed. And um, anyway, there are a lot of people that are out there today who um, don't have any clothes in terms of rational thinking. Yes. And unless everybody else agrees with their thinking to affirm their, their nonsense, right. the problem is with us because we're not wise enough to see that they're doing something useful and best and good. We need to stand up and say, why is the emperor wearing no clothes? You know? Um, anyway. Uh. So we're on the marriage line here. Um, the other extreme is male dominance. It's it's my way or the hard or the highway, right? Um, usually the 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 husband is sort of a, a tyrant, and the wife is a doormat, and um, that leads to lots of abuse. And in the extreme, it leads to things like polygamy. And that polygamy is never one woman with multiple husbands. It's always one husband with multiple wives, yes. right? Uh, harems, uh, female infanticide, that is, you kill off the, the females because you prefer to have male offspring. Um, that's just an abomination. Um, But that's where this incorrect presumption and and theory and whatever can lead some people to do. And if you give them power to do it, they'll do it to their own demise. Um, What about people's understanding of children and their roles and so on? Well, in the complementarian position, Scripture teaches us that children are a blessing, right? And uh, so children are loved, cared for, valued, uh, raised up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, and and so on. There is this this balance between love for the children, very tangibly um, demonstrated, but also discipline out of love, In order to help them with what they really need, so there's this balance between um, discipline. um, It's not a it's not a tension between discipline and love. It's a tension between uh, uh, discipline and passivity, which is not love. Right? We train them up uh, in the discipline and nurture of the Lord. Well, if you have an egalitarian. Perspective: um, Children tend to be raised with too little discipline, too little direction, and um, enforcing what is right in their lives to help them learn and, and so on. Because we recognize they're they um, they're born with a sin nature and they need the direction and, and correction and training in righteousness. But if male and female, are, are are equal, that tends to be a watering down of, of uh, discipline for the children. I believe that. It may not always be the case. In fact, in each of these columns, the way they're being characterized may not be... Um, there, there may be some ranges of, of behavior and thinking in each of these columns, and... Um, But these are examples, anyway. So, if there are no differences at all, it's interesting that that can lead to um, the mindset that abortion is... um, There's nothing wrong with it because it's just getting rid of um, a a, uh, part of the woman's body that is... Not needed for her welfare, right? Um, and so uh, you hear a lot of arguments about um, protecting a woman's right to choose. You know how to how to uh, right for the healthcare. healthcare for her, and um, um, there are even even um, um, those who are very particularly, I think, those who are very strong and adamant in that position, have their eyes and ears closed to very plain scientific facts that that child is not a part of her body. Um, It has a separate heartbeat. It, most of the time, has even a different blood type. Very different DNA... Comp- well, it's it's influenced by the mother, of course, but that's not the whole picture, right? It's both the mother and the father. Um, a very distinct human being there that's um, very well-formed very early in the pregnancy process. And uh, all that's needed is for... God's design for the nurturing of that child to take place up to the point where the child can now exist and uh, breathe and and move on their own. Uh, But they're still a human being um, right from the very beginning. But um, it's like an evolutionist would just close their ears and their eyes to scientific facts that fly in the face of their position. Um, Likewise, people are adamant to say this is a part of a woman's body and it's all about her health, not about the life of an individual person, because if they say that enough, more and more people will tend to believe it. It's like the emperor has no clothes. Mm I
1: like the important here is the
0: who. Yes. Yeah, that's a good one, isn't it? A person is
1: a person no matter how small.
0: Yes. Yeah, good old uh, Dr. Seuss. Horton, here's a who. Well, it it would be an example of I can do my own thing, right? And where does that idea originate? In my head, in my heart, whatever. Um, And so it's just another example of rebellion against God's design.
1: And the new thing that's going around right now is that men want to, transgender men want to be able to say, I bore this child. Only women can. And so regardless whether you had your whole thing refixed or whatever, you cannot give birth to a child. And this was in the news or somewhere in my feeds that said this guy was really, sorry, whatever. This person was really upset because the the hospital would not assign him as the mother. And anyway, the whole point yeah, it's disgusting. But anyway, that's the whole thing. And it's probably gonna change. They probably will be able to it's gonna get, to get have, more nonsense yeah, it's, as it's, if it's not nonsensical it's already, enough already. Already. Yeah. It's probably continue,
0: gonna get worse. So. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 But the the bottom line is when people use their own philosophy, their own wisdom, right. their own preferences to make uh, very important decisions like this, where does that lead? It it, it doesn't lead to the paradise and, and uh, the, um, uh, what was the term you had, um, utopia. utopia kind of thing that's that's this sort of fiction in their mind that this is going to result in, what does it lead to? It leads to um, uh, yeah. chaos, um, um, extinction. And it can lead to extinction, taken well, to the extreme, right? The main point is that when we construct our lives, we guide our lives by our own thinking, our own wisdom, um, that leads to uh, destruction. Uh, not only eternal, but even the, the ramifications of that, the, the um, collateral damage to that is... Is great, and so you know, just look at examples like, um, and
1: the kids are looking at all this, you know, yeah, looking
0: at all this, and the kids are looking at it and getting the impression that okay. anything goes, yeah, basically, That's right. That's right. right? There are no absolute morality. Right. Um, look at something as simple as the parable Jesus taught of the prodigal son. He had in his mind what was going to be good for him. Where did he end up? In the streets. Right. And God often brings people down to that low spot to open their eyes to what is really true. And in some cases, it leads them to repentance like it did the prodigal son. In other cases, they they um, die in their unbelief yeah. and the consequences of the sin.
1: They buck against their own selves. Yeah. That's so what I was saying about the, uh, the transgender man running the woman's race. Right. You have one side that says, well, women have their rights, you know, and then the transgender man running in it, they say, well, he has his rights. <laughs> and so they're bucking against each other and <laughs> it's in this confusion. It's just so
0: inevitable that there, there's no consistency.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. Anyway, um, we're on the children line here. Um, if if it's a, a a family noted and characterized by male dominance, often the children are raised not without <laughs> discipline, but with harsh discipline. There's not the, the the commitment of love. It's it's punishment as opposed to training, right? Um, and of course, at the the far extreme, there. Again, it leads to abortion, um, supported by men, not the women, but men who want to avoid responsibility, um, and it just allows them to conduct themselves any way they want, without regard to the life of the mother or the child or whatever. Um... Okay, so family responsibilities, again, the difference in roles by God's design would have the husband be uh, ultimate responsibility within the family to lead, to provide, protect uh, his wife and children. And for the wife to uh, help her husband and use her gifts and and the, the strengths she has as a woman to help the household be strong, to nurture the children, and so on. So they're, they're working together in a complementary way. Uh, egalitarians, though, would just say, well, it, it's kind of a democratic choice. There's no inherent roles. Let's just choose what's going to be best for us. And what's best for us may not be the best for somebody else, but there's nothing inherent about the husband or the wife, or the mother or the father. And then, of course, if, if you take that to the extreme, there's no real purpose for having a family. You ever read the book um, Brave New World? Uh, who is it? Uh, Huxley, I think, wrote that. Uh, and the idea was, it's basically, um, well, it's kind of like uh, Hillary Clinton's book, It Takes a Village, where the idea is society ought to be raising these children. Right? And um, you, you see us kind of moving more and more in that direction as both mom and the dad are working full time and they farm the kids out to whoever, no matter what the age is, um, and that it's a very explicit in this extreme, it's a very explicit structure where it's society that raises the children or programs them, right? School. Well, um, whether it's school or any kind of care or, or whatever but
1: I mean, it's like a lot of times parents expect this school, the
0: school Yeah, they drop them off, they're your responsibility now, now. Well, there is, there is a time when people can, when parents can delegate certain amounts of responsibility to others for a season. I mean, it's even like a babysitter, right? Uh, and there could be small amounts or larger amounts possible, but what's the mindset? They're actually helping me do what I'm wanting to accomplish, not they're your responsibility now. I'm, I'm, I'm abdicating responsibility. That's a recipe for disaster. Really, it's,
1: uh, the Hitler concept, concept something like that, that. Nazi party. They use children. Yeah. To control the
0: nation. Yeah, yeah. You, if you get the hearts and minds of the children, then you, you, you've got the next generation, and you can perpetuate your philosophy. That's the idea. Well, um, I don't understand the mindset, but what they're advocating is that when children are born, then it's not the parents' responsibility to raise them, but rather it's society's responsibility. So there are institutions in place to handle all of the needs of the children and the training and, and whatever. And so we all work together to um, um, to care for and, more importantly, indoctrinate all those kids. Um so there would be structures, there'd be institutions. There'd be—it's not just schools during the day, but um, um, all these kids are little, um, what, machines with potential value to society, and so we need to indoctrinate them and prepare them for that. Uh, yeah, it's 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 all about philosophy. What is the source of our philosophy? If it's if our source is. Us and we're making it up as we go, or it's some wise quote-unquote person who has outlined this, and we want to align ourselves with that philosophy. That's all to the um, in the opposite direction of what God has designed. And if if we pursue things that are inconsistent with God's design, then it's like the prodigal son. It's going to lead you, you may think you're doing the right thing, you may think this is going to be what's bringing you joy and happiness and fulfillment, but it's bringing destruction because it's, it's um, uh, even if you don't see that destruction in the short term, uh, it's definitely the result, inevitably.
1: It's amazing that you say that because not very many people here probably remember Dr. Spock mm-hmm. in his philosophy in training children. Mm-hmm. And years later it was just not it just wasn't good at all but
0: everybody was following
1: that right. philosophy that he had in, in
0: yeah. uh, terms of population. And, and his philosophy for child training was based on the assumption that children are a clean slate mm-hmm. exactly right? That's right as opposed to the biblical understanding that these children come to us as little sinners That's
1: right.
0: and um, they they need uh, as God designed it, a mother and a father, to direct them in what is right, what is true. You know. Well, that's that's Spock on Star Trek. She's talking about Dr. Spock, a real person. Dr. Spock was a, a,
1: a, a real person. He was a doctor. Okay. Who, yeah, he was a psychiatrist. He, he had this philosophy, and he wrote a book. This like book in the 1950s. Book. Yes, back in the 50s on how to raise your children. And people were, were, were following it because they thought it, sound, it sounded fantastic, it sounded great, but it was based on the fact that, you know, you, you are suppressing their creativity. There's all kinds of things that he thought, like, like you were saying, um, Pastor, he, children are a clean slate mm-hmm. and that we should let them develop. Because that was where the Bible teaches that as husband and wife or as, as mothers and fathers, mm-hmm. we are to give that direction. And like you were saying earlier, we see certain things in our children. Say, for instance, my daughter. My daughter is a teacher today, and I could see that um, when she was a child, that she just loved instruction. Even in elementary school, she would get all the extra papers that the teachers made copies of. And in the summer, the neighborhood kids would come by and she would be teaching. And I'm like, <laughs> why are these kids going to yeah. school when she school's our front out yard. in our front yard? And so it, I could see that in her. Yeah. And, and, and Probably
0: because he, she didn't grade too hard. <laughs> <laughs> she grade on a curve. Yeah, 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 yeah. She does it now. Yeah. <laughs>
1: and so it's just you know the opposite of what the Bible teaches. Right. In other words, how yeah. we are the ones to find out what, uh, how to train our you know what direction our children should be led in. And he was just famous. Everybody. Yeah. Was One following. of the things that he left out on uh, his, that he left out on his philosophy was just mm-hmm.
0: by design.
1: Yes, mm-hmm. <laughs> By design. Yeah. yeah, it was
0: presumed that that was violence mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. rather than loving discipline to yeah. train them up in the way they should go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, we're not going to be able to cover all of these things, um, but you know, it reminds me, uh, you're probably familiar with Romans 1. I'll start with 18.
1: 18.
0: For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Mm-hmm. Suppressing the truth. Mm-hmm. I don't want to believe it, so I'm going to believe this lie. Mm-hmm. Right? Because that which is known about God is evident within them. For God made it evident to them he's designed us to understand that we are created not evolved and so verse 20 since the creation of the world his invisible attributes his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse for even though the new God, at least knew about God, that there is a God, the conscience he's designed us to have knows that there's a God that we are created. Um, anyway, for even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. Do we see that around today? (laughs) (laughs) Um, And they exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and of four-footed animals and crawling creatures. So you've got all sorts of idols out there. Um, Therefore, God gave them over in the lust of their hearts to impurity so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Verse 26, For this reason God gave them over to degrading passions. For their women exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural, And in the same way also, men abandoned the natural function of the woman and burned in their desire toward one another, men with men committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. That's always the case. Whenever we depart from God's design, there are consequences. Sometimes even in our own bodies. Verse 28. And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer... God gave them over to a, deprived, a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper, being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, envy, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents without understanding, untrustworthy, Unloving, unmerciful, and although they know the ordinance of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but they give hearty approval to those who practice them. Um, and they'll say, "Yeah, the emperor has no clothes. I get it.
1: Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a shame. It's you know we can point our fingers at people." who are walking in blindness like that, but our heart ought to be one of compassion toward them and praying that God would open the eyes of the blind um, and that they would respond to the gospel. Um, The fact that God has opened our eyes to the truth and we've avoided... a a lot of the problems that we otherwise would have fallen into is not something we can be proud about. You ought to humble us that God was gracious enough to open our eyes before we did ourselves in. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, anyway, it's helpful to see... Um, that there's philosophy that underlies all these different positions. And if the philosophy is based on man's wisdom, you know that's going to result in problems, Mm -hmm. big problems. But if it's based on what God has designed and what he has revealed in Scripture, um, it doesn't mean you're able to live a a life without sin, because that's a bigger problem. Uh, But God has a solution for that too, right? Right. Um, But even in the midst of the sin that we're in the process of overcoming, uh, we can live according to God's design. And that honors him and it brings blessing to us and even to others through us. So that's a good thing. Anyway, we better close. Let's pray.